Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Good to see you guys this morning. Hey, for those of you who I haven't met yet, my name is Bob McKenzie. I'm the executive pastor here. You probably wonder what an executive pastor does. Well, <laughs> quit laughing. I saw that. <laughs> now, we, um, I get to work with the different pastors and directors to dream, design, and implement different ministries here at church. And if they go well, I take all the credit. If they fail miserably, they're responsible. So it's a good job. It's a good gig. So, well, well, Merry Christmas, guys. Um, hey, just a quick show of hands. How many of you have actually finished buying all your presents? Nice. How about everybody finish wrapping them? Nice. Anybody not started yet? There we go. There's a reason for asking that. I, I have this feeling like in our household, we're a little ahead of the game. And I think it's because Thanksgiving came a week earlier in November. So instead of four weeks, we've had like this five-week time when um, just to get stuff done. And it's like been great for shopping and wrapping presents and everything. But I've noticed something else. I call it cultural Christmas. Just the whole season of everything, right? Five weeks of being just deluged and inundated with anything and everything that could even be remotely connected to Christmas, we've just been taking in. If you could roll that video. The other day I, I looked down on the TV schedule and I just made a list of the different Christmas movies that had come out. Now what's interesting about this is that this isn't in five weeks. This was in one day in November on Hallmark. No, I'm just, I blocked that channel. That could not happen. So now I'm not really sure what Jesus has to do with like high school, school reunion and Santa con. I'm sure they figured out a way to work it in. But then besides the movies, just think about all the other images and activities and everything that we've just been involved in in five weeks. Now, a lot of it's good. It's, it's fun. I don't know if it's the real reason for the season, right? But it's good. I mean, it's good and it's fun. So, that was the mall in Carlsbad. No. So, that's what we've been experiencing for the last five weeks. And what I want to do today is kind of like, let's take the opportunity to slow down, put a different image up, nativity scene, the manger, and stop and go, hey, the rest of that stuff is good and fun. There's some great stuff there. But what if we just focused and said on one image, how about baby Jesus, and just go, I want to see the real Christmas story here. Like, why is God the uncreated creator of all in a manger as a baby. That's what we're going to look at today. So to get a handle on this, we're first going to go back in time, not a little bit, but actually a lot, represent the Garden of Eden. Look back at a time when there was no problems, there was no sin, there was no disobedience, there was no separation from God. Man walked with God. They spent time with the most loving, the most kind, the most wonderful, the most creative, the most intelligent, 
the funniest? You didn't think about that one, did you? Why wouldn't God be the funniest? This great garden experience with God. This hang time, this stroll time, man and God in this perfect union that we were supposed to have. But we lost it, we know. Sin, disobedience, rebellion, we lost that. Kicked out of the garden. So now sin's an issue. It's a barrier between God and man. There's distance where there was trust. Now there's fear. And so that's what brings us back to the manger. That's what brings us back to the story of the birth of Christ. Because amid all this cultural Christmas we've been seeing and digesting, I don't want to miss it. Do you guys want to miss it? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the real reason here. So we've got a treat this morning. We get to study in Matthew chapter one. We get to look at the birth of Jesus and its significance through two names that were given to us, Jesus and Emmanuel. And hopefully with that, my goal is that we'll be able to navigate through this Christmas season and not get hung up on the reefs and we can enjoy Buddy the Elf and everything else, right? But we're still not gonna miss Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Before we pray, two things. In the passage in Matthew 18, we're gonna be Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25, two names of Christ are revealed. One is Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and the second one is Emmanuel, which we just got sing, done singing, God with us. And in these two names, I think we're gonna see what Christmas is really about. Now here's a little cheat code if you're a gamer going in. This is where we're going with this. As Jesus, we're gonna see the name of Jesus he fixed it so that we can have that garden experience again. He fixed it so we can have that time with God that's close and that's intimate again. And then as Emmanuel, we're going to see he fixed it so that we want it. Two different things we're looking at. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for everything this time of year, Lord. But today, right now, Lord, I know that you're here. You inhabit the praises of your people. I pray, Lord, quicken our hearts, quicken our spirits, Lord, that we can hear from you today. Let truths be illuminated in our heart. I pray, Lord, for each and every one of us to hear exactly from you what we need to hear to draw close to you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can open up chapter one. We're gonna read verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's the key verse we're going to look at today, one of them, because he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now here's the second name, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
So this is the story of the, the birth of Christ in Matthew. Luke, you might want to read to like chapter one. That's a little bit longer. There's more in Luke about Mary. There's less in here. So let me just fill in some of the details of Mary. She's probably in that 16, 17-year-old range. That was culturally about when she would have been betrothed. Living in Nazareth, kind of a small town. And just kind of picture yourself if you're Mary for a moment. Maybe you're in your room by yourself and then bing, there's this angel in the room. Right? Pretty much all of us would freak out. There's this angel in the room and then the angel says to her, Hey, I know you're a virgin. You're going to have a kid. Okay. God's going to do it. Okay. He's going to be the son of God. Okay. Right? You look at other biblical stories of angelic visits. Most people don't react well. Mary was amazing. If you look in Luke, she actually says, she looks him in the eye and goes, I can actually imagine her leaning in when she says it too. She goes, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Whoa, what a young lady, right? What an amazing choice of God. She like leans in. It's like, let's do this. Amazing. But we also have the story of Joseph here in Matthew. And he's another amazing choice of God. Now remember, this is the person God the Father picked out to raise and train up Jesus as a child and young man. Amazing guy. We're going to see some of his character here. But let's play this story out a little bit. Mary comes to Joseph. Okay, I'm pregnant. God did it. Well, we know Joseph does not believe her. Who would, right? It's like, what? If you're in Joseph's place, he feels betrayed, he's hurt, he's angry, he's embarrassed. He can't believe she played the God card. You're pregnant and you're blaming it on God. Nice. But you see the righteous character of Joseph. In the midst of all that, he's like, you know what, though? I'm not going to publicly humiliate you. We're going to do this quietly. But he doesn't believe her at all. But then the angel comes to him and is like, Joseph, it's true. And his name is going to be Jesus. Gave him the same name that the angel gave Mary, call him Jesus, which I think is kind of keeps parents from squabbling over what uncle to name him after, right? <laughs> so they have the same name. But what here's that's interesting. Jesus is simply, that's the Greek version of the Hebrew name, Joshua. Not really a common, not, not really a unique name. It'd be like nowadays, name him Dave. Okay, Dave. There's nothing special, well, sorry, Dave's in here. There's nothing special really, <laughs> sorry about that of the name Dave. You guys are awesome. But Joshua's is coming in. There's probably seven other Joshua's walking around Nazareth at this time. But what the angel gave to Joseph, he didn't even give to Mary. He defined to him why calling him Joshua, why Jesus. Because he said, he, because he will save his people from their sins. He gave him the mission. He took this ordinary name and he made it extraordinary. And that's why we're going to study it. Because at that time, his name is Joshua. I don't get it. Oh, he's going to save his people from their sins. That just changed the game. So in Matthew 1, we see the name of Jesus. And we see the name of Emmanuel. And I think if we study these two names, it will keep us on the right path through Christmas. So let's look at the first name, Jesus. 
because he will save his people from his sins. You can see I capitalized the word sins. We're gonna look at it from two perspectives, the sin issue and then the person of Jesus. Now, just like the real Christmas can get hidden among our, among our cultural Christmas, the name of Jesus, it's so common it can get hidden. So we're gonna look at this. And I think if we understand, first of all, this is the part to catch, part one, the magnitude of sin, that's gonna help us to grab hold of the name of Jesus and not let it be so common. Let it have awe and wonder once again. Just let me play with this a couple minutes. How bad sin is. First of all, just add this up. Sin got us kicked out of the Garden of Eden. It's gotta be bad. To be kicked out of the Garden of Eden, something bad had to happen. It wasn't a minor probation, it was a, no. You're out of the garden, number one. Number two, Paul says in Romans 8, because of the sin issue, all of creation is groaning in pain. I have no idea what that means. It's worse than climate change and earthquakes, I get it. But all of creation is groaning because of what? Sin. So how bad is sin? It's bad enough that creation's groaning. And I don't even know what that means. It's bad though, right? Third, when God created everything, the word in creation in, in um, Genesis is bara, B-A-R-A. It means to create instantaneously, effortlessly, and out of nothing. The point is, there's no work, there's no effort. That is not hard. Galaxies, let it be. Sun, let it be. I mean, it was just like effortless, instantaneously, out of nothing. But when God talks in Isaiah about the salvation work, he says the strong arm of the Lord was revealed. And it means it's like God rolled up his sleeve and had to get to work. It was hard work to save us. In comparison to creation, creation was nothing compared to what God had to do for salvation. How bad is the magnitude of sin? Kicked out of the garden, creation groaning, harder than creation. Here's another one. In 1 Peter 1, when Peter's talking about the gospel and the saving work of Jesus. This is a crazy line. He says, even angels long to look into these things. The language in the Greek is like the craning of the neck, the extending of the neck. It's like you're in wonder, you're intrigued. You're like, you're an angel in heaven going, he's doing what? Do you guys see this? He's becoming a baby. You know, think about it. It amazed even angels. The plan of God was so amazing to defeat sin. Even the heavenlies were like, they longed to look into this. Pretty amazing. And then finally, sin issues so bad that the uncreated creator of all had to leave heaven, empty himself of, the, of his glory, live here for 30 some years, die on a cross to fix it. Now, I know logic is not popular nowadays. I get it, I get it. But just humor me for a minute. If something is so bad, it gets you kicked out of the Garden of Eden, all creation is growing, it was harder than the creation in the first place, angels are amazed, and it took God to die to fix it, doesn't that sound like it's a bad thing? I think it's probably worse than we think. Maybe say that with me. Probably worse than I think. Do we really believe that? That's something I think to dwell on at this time of the year. I think 
with the name of Jesus, it's so common, but if we can stop at this time and go, your name was Jesus, because you'll save your people, you'll save me from my capital S sins. I think it'll help us hold on to Christmas. Amen? Second perspective. We're going to look at the first word, the, the word he in this, because he will save his people. The word he here is very precise in the Greek. The he is emphatic, which means it's emphasized, which means it is the key word in the sentence. Like, yes, sins is an issue. Yes, salvation is occurring. But the purpose of the sentence is to focus on he, the word he, to focus on Jesus. Another way of saying this is, yeah, he made a way for us to be saved, but a better way because he is emphatic. No, he is the way. And we know that. We know the verse from John 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except me. He goes, I am it. It's not just a plan. It's not just a strategy of salvation. The key in the name of Jesus here, besides the magnitude of sins, is he is the way. Not just a plan, not just a strategy. We had this sin problem, but a person stepped up to fix it. Right? We had this sin problem, but a person said, I will empty myself from my glory in heaven and I will become a man so that they can be saved. We had this huge sin problem, but a person, not a strategy, not a plan, a person stepped up and said, I'm going to do that holy trade. You know what I mean by the holy trade? It's that 1 Corinthians 5 verse that he took all of our sins and rebellion and disobedience, took it on the cross and gave us his righteousness. In Isaiah, it says we were given a robe of righteousness. I just picture this giant robe that wraps around me and all that you can see are my two little beady eyes. It's just like I'm covered in the righteousness. That's why now he says of you who are believers, you're pure, you're holy, you're a saint, you're forgiven, you're awesome. And you're like, I don't feel that way and I don't act that way. And God goes, that's not what I'm talking about. In Jesus, you're right. I was joking last night, if there was a game show in heaven and they had God there and saying, who's more righteous, Jesus or Bob here with that robe on? Ah, it's a tie. (laughs) Do we believe that, right? But that's the beauty of the name of Jesus at this time, if we can grab, because he will save his people from their sins. My sins, they are huge. But wow, he is emphatic. You made a way, not a system, Not a strategy, not a religion, but a person. When that happens, doesn't that grip your heart? A plan, a strategy, a system doesn't grip my heart. A person, that grips my heart. There's a verse to go with us. I love this verse. Luke chapter 7, verse 47. This is in the context when the woman came and she was so filled with gratitude at Jesus, she washed his feet with her tears, with her perfume, with her hair. And she, she was just, she knew her sin. She knew how bad things were, but she saw Jesus and out of gratitude, she did that. And Jesus said, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. It's a great principle here. Forgiven much, you love much. If you see the magnitude of your sin, if you see the sacrifice of Jesus at Christmas, the baby in the manger, forgiven much, love much. If I don't get it, forgiven little, love little. She was forgiven much and loved much and it just gripped her heart. 
made me think of when I got saved. I was, uh, maybe many of you had this experience. I was dragged to church by a couple friends. They had bugged me for just weeks and weeks and weeks, please attend. And I'm like, if I go once, will you leave me alone? And so they go, okay, we'll pick you up. And I'm like, no, 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 I know that game. I'll drive myself. I can leave when I want. So I'm at church, I'm listening to the message. And now here's the thing. That day for me, no conviction of sin, no repentance. But as I sat there, there was this utter, deep, deep realization that it was just true. That what they were saying was true. Everything was true. I mean, I didn't have this conviction of sin and repentance. There was no forgiven much love much. None of that was there. I just sat there and I was like, dang it. <laughs> Literally, I was like, this is not good. It's like, this is not why I came to church. But I sat there and I realized this is absolutely true. And I remember, I remember sitting there, I was like, fine, I'm yours, whatever. I, I, oh gosh, I remember I was just like, but I remember thinking, it doesn't matter how much I didn't want it to be true, it was true. What other stance did I have? I'm not creator, he's creator, I'm a creation. What right? It was like, I got it. It actually helped me actually in the lordship side of your walk with Jesus. Now, where this goes is, obviously as time went on, I realized I had faults. And real quickly, things came in. It's like, and I realized that forgiven much, love much. And suddenly, it gripped my heart. And so at this time of Christmas, with the name of Jesus, if you're looking at this and going, the name of Jesus, I don't want it to be common. I want it to always have that tagline behind it, because he saved me from my sins. Where are you on the forgiven much, love much? spectrum to forgiven little love little now's a great time to renew that if that feels cold and commonplace move it over here forgiven much love much it's a great time to do it focus on the magnitude of sin you've seen the list and focus on the person of jesus somebody stepped up in your place great time to do it second name here emmanuel in verse 23 the prophet said his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Now, just like Jesus fixed it so we could have that, that time with God again, that garden experience, and Emmanuel, we're gonna see he fixed it so we wanna have it. You're gonna see the motivation, the, the desire, the pull to pull us in close to God. Now, here's just three aspects of Emmanuel. There's probably many others. The first one is I think he came as Emmanuel so we could know what God is like. Outside of Judaism at that time, if you asked anybody what God is, what God is like, go, which God? Many gods, many religions, just crazy, 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 just myriad a menu of pick a God, you can have it. Even in Judaism, it was messed up. Their view of God, we would say, was a little warped. God was more detached than close, and they had all those heavy burdensome, legalistic, extra laws and traditions put on the people. So at that time, if someone said, what is God like? I don't know. You know that game of um, telephone? Is that what it's called? Like I whisper in one person's ear and then you whisper a phrase and it always gets messed up. Like if I whispered over here, God loves and cares, over back in the back, it's God loves care bears. It would work that way. <laughs> it, and what they had done is, yeah, we'd have new, big, new Care Bear translation Bibles and everything. We'd mess things up. 
But that's what they'd done for hundreds of years. They had essentially had played the game of telephone with the things of God. By the time Jesus came, not only the, the world was messed up, but the people of God who should have known about God, that was even messed up. That's why he came as Emmanuel. Let that name now break forth in your heart. Emmanuel, so we would know what it's like. So you look into the scriptures and you're in the gospels and you see he's loving, he's kind, he's caring, he's gentle, faithful, forgiving, compassionate. The list goes on and on. You can see what he did. If you have the red letter edition, you can easily see what he said, right? You get this and you're like, that's what God is like. He's not distant. No, he's not distant. Is he harsh? No, he's not harsh. Is he detached from mankind? No, he's not. And Jesus said in John 14, 9, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen God. He came as Emmanuel, as a baby, in the manger, so we could know what God is like. But it even gets better. Two more. He also came so that you would know that God knows what it's like. You know what deja vu is, right? That feeling like, this has happened before, right? Well, this, you know what voodage is? That's like, no one has ever gone through what I'm going through right now, right? You ever have that happen? It's like, no one gets it. No one understands. No one knows how tough it is right now in my life. No one knows how alone I am in this right now. Well, Emmanuel then, if that's who you are today, Emmanuel fixes this. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 and 16. It's talking about our high priest and it's speaking of Jesus. He says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus entered in as Emmanuel. He knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like. He was tempted. He was misunderstood. He suffered. He was disappointed, exhausted, frustrated, abandoned, rejected even by his family. He understands. He gets it. You're not alone in this. One more area besides those. I thought about this. Think about the issue that we also hate, having to wait for things, having to be patient. Now, most theologians don't think when Jesus was in the manger as a little baby, he was fully God aware, right? It wasn't like he woke up and went, oh, Nazareth, yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> Joseph, good man, marry my mom. No, you know, they don't think he was doing that. He, he was a baby and he grew up in wisdom and stature and he grew up in within, within revelation. But we do know that somewhere around 12 years old, when they came to Jerusalem and they all left and Jesus stayed behind, they found him in the temple and he says, I'm in my father's house. So somewhere in those years, between 12-ish and mid, I mean early 30s, there's a span of time he knew who he was. Think about that for a little bit. You ever thought about that? I stand in front of the microwave for two minutes and I'm like, why me? <laughs> 20 years of waiting to be revealed and to openly share who he was. So if you have to wait for something, if you have to be patient, if something in your life you feel like that should have happened by now and no one gets it, well, there is no voodage, trust me. Jesus gets it. He lived the life. And it, you notice the word that was used in Hebrews. It wasn't he can sympathize, which means I care about what you're thinking. 
It's empathize, which means I've actually experienced it. But better than that, as a human, he experienced it, but now fully God also, he says, come to my throne, come to the throne of grace and get mercy and grace. It's one thing to tell and have another human being empathize with you. Oh, I've gone through that, Bob. There's no hope. (laughs) Like, thanks, right? But Jesus went through it and he's like, and I'm God and I can walk through you and I can help this situation. He knows what it's like. He had a 20-year wait, not telling anybody. I just think about that sometimes. Imagine Jesus is there, and the people are talking. He's in a group of people, and they're talking about the things of God, the traditions, the law, the character of God. And they're like, Jesus, what do you think? What do you think God is like? I can imagine him just going, closer than you think, you know, (laughs) right? It's just one of those, sorry, my mind goes there. It's like, if you sneeze near Jesus, you really got blessed, right? (laughs) If he sneezes and you bless him, that's just ironic, right? But okay. So finishing up, Jesus is Emmanuel. He knows what it's like. There is no voodage. He understands what you have gone through, what you're going through, what you will go through. That's part of Emmanuel at this time. Last one, you know what God is like. You know that he knows what it's like, but we also know what God likes. Now we know the Jews took the written word of God and they added to it with their oral traditions and their written traditions. And to really just summarize it, they really messed things up. And so much of Jesus' teaching, we'll see, was to try to fix that. Let's just take the Sabbath, for example. God said, okay, take Saturday off. But there was a purpose to it. It was take Saturday off, really, to enjoy God, enjoy family, enjoy friends, enjoy life. Don't work. Slow down and rest. That was the purpose. But what happened was, so they wouldn't violate that. Over the years, they kept adding rules and traditions, guardrails to keep you from getting anywhere close to breaking the Sabbath. And so if you were at that time, it's like, what does God really care about? What does God really like? So the Sabbath was just so convoluted with these rules. Let's just take two absurd ones. You couldn't spit on the Sabbath. Now, most of you kind people don't do that in public anyways, but you couldn't spit on the Sabbath. If you spit, the reason why, if you spit, hit the dirt, rolled forward and dug a little ditch, you were plowing the land. (laughs) Don't spit. Okay, I got it. What do I do? Just let it dribble. Okay, I'll let it dribble. Second one was, I want to go somewhere on the Sabbath. How far can I walk before it's work? So they figured out, I forget how many yards it was. You can walk this far, take a chair with you, okay? And then sit in the chair and sit for a while. Well, how long? I forget what it was, but they had a set time. It reset the clock. And then you could walk again and then sit and walk again. So if you saw some old man sitting in a chair on the side of a road with a little dribble down the side of his lip. That's a godly guy. He's obeying the laws of God. Not his fault. He was taught that way. And that's one of the reasons Jesus came as Emmanuel. The baby in the manger as Emmanuel. So you can know what God likes. Think about Jesus preaching in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew, the Beatitudes. So much of what he said, read back in that and you'll just be stunned of him saying, 
You've heard it said, now I tell you. You've heard it said, now I tell you. He was clearing up misconception after misconception. And no, and no wonder, he had 20 some years of walking around knowing who he was going, oh my gosh, I have tons of sermon prep material. <laughs> there is so much messed up. In the woes in Matthew 23 at the, with the Pharisees, he goes, woe to you Pharisees, you're just putting burdens on people. You've messed things up. They don't even know what I care about. And at one point he goes, yes, you should have tithed, but you missed justice, you missed mercy, you missed faithfulness. You missed the things that deal with people. When he healed on the Sabbath, what they do? They got mad at him. But he said, but you'll pull a bull out of a ditch on the Sabbath. I came for people. When you hear Emmanuel, think of you. God came, God with us, so that you would know one of the things is what God likes. So we saw as Jesus, he came, so we would see the magnitude of our sin, and we would see the he that's emphatic with Emmanuel He came so you would know what he's like. You would know that he relates and you would know what he cares about. So let's wrap this up. In fact, I'm gonna ask the worship band to come on out. Cultural Christmas, we're not gonna be able to avoid it. I know, rush hour traffic, that's. (laughs) Amen, amen. That's bad, that's okay. Buddy the Elf is great. I love Buddy the Elf. <laughs> but at Christmas time, let's navigate through the reefs, not get caught up on this stuff, and let's look at, you know what? What is the real? So looking at these two names, we see Jesus. He did fix it so we can have that garden experience again. We can have that time with God. And as Emmanuel, we see he fixed it so you're going to want it. Because you see it's like, oh, that's what God is like. That's what he cares about. He can relate. Amen? Stand with me and let's uh, wrap this up. So wherever you are with God today, whether you're exploring Jesus and you're just kind of considering the things of Jesus, or if you've been walking with God for a while or a little bit, it's a great time. We've got a couple days before Christmas. Get some time, get alone, get quiet, grab the Bible, read Luke 1 again, read this part of Matthew 18 through 25, read it again and just pray and go, God, make it more real. Let the name of Jesus not be commonplace in my life. Let the name of Emmanuel unlock how much you love me. It's just a perfect time to do it. There's just no better time. It helps keep Christmas Christmas. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and then they're going to lead us in a song. Lord, you are amazing. First of all, Lord, I just I pray for your people, Lord. I bless your people, Lord, with your love, Lord, and your commitment. Holy Spirit, that you would touch every one of us. You would draw us near today. You would illuminate in our heart, Lord, your truths. If there's things that, Lord, have to be burned out of the way, burn them out of the way in the name of Jesus right now. Every obstacle, every hindrance. Lord, come in and come in strong. Make it so when we see the nativity scene, when we see the manger, when we celebrate your birth, let it just explode in our heart, Lord. Forgiven much and loving much. Pray this in Jesus' name.
And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.